At the Commonwealth Policy Foundation, we try to approach the issues of life, marriage, religious liberty, and fiscal integrity from a biblical perspective that promotes thoughtfulness and kindness. We work with political leaders and concerned citizens from all across the state. To stay informed, visit CommonwealthMatters.org and sign up for our e-newsletter. The Commonwealth Policy Foundation is a nonprofit organization that only exists because of friends like you. Thanks for tuning in to the Commonwealth Matters. Welcome to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm your host, Richard Nelson, here with Ron Hicks, and we have an exciting topic this week. It is on humility in a competitive world. Man, you always bring exciting topics. And actually, it sounds kind of dull. We talk about humility, like who? Well, because so, humility? Few, I mean, so what's, few people know anything yeah, about rah, rah, it. Yeah, you know, cheer on humility. humility and how I conquered it by Ron Hicks. But, <laughs> I'd like to see that book, Ron. Uh, you know, so we're talking about humility, which isn't a big thing in today's day and age. It's not something you think of that you want to aspire to, to well, be a humble person, you know to why? be a respectful person, to be kind, which are attributes of humility. I, I think a lot of people have a negative kind con- when you think humility, you think weak, you think uh, when you think humble, it's passive. It's so there's a negative connotation that's been put to it. So when you say that's a humble guy, oh, so he, he doesn't have a backbone. Huh? He's not weak. He won't yeah. stand up for himself. That's not what it means at all. So we're going to talk about that. And the first segment is going to be on humility in sports, because there's a news story Mm. out of Virginia. Uh, University of Virginia head basketball coach Tony Bennett made national news the other day when he declined a huge pay raise. Uh, The administration had him in the office and they said, Tony, we'd like to give you this raise. You just took the team to the final four last year. You won the uh, national championship. And they offered a big raise. And surprisingly, he turned it down, Ron. He said, uh, you know, my wife and I have enough. We've got more than we need. And they are blessed beyond what they deserve, is what he said. So instead of taking the raise, he asked that that money that would have been given to him be spread out across the UVA staff. And then on top of it, he pledged a half million dollars toward a career development program for current and former UVA ballplayers. Wow. So not only did he turn down the raise, which is unheard of, Mm -hmm. who turns down a raise, he took some of his own money and dedicated it to ballplayers that need further development once they're done with school. Well, look at what he's saying. Blessed. So he's understanding that that, um, whatever we have, we we, we live and breathe and have our being in Christ. So he realizes that if he handles God's business, God will take care of his business. That's uh, and so. Tony Bennett is a believer, mm-hmm. and uh, the Washington Post reported that his uh, basketball program is based on biblical pillars of thankfulness and humility. He imparts these principles to his team. Wow. His uh, routine reflects these biblical principles. His character reflects these biblical principles. And it's uh, he's been a good model to these Amen. kids. He is for, and he's said before that he is for developing the whole person. Mm-hmm. And in order to develop the whole person, it means that you're, yes, of course, as a ball player, you need to be in shape. You need to exercise. Mm-hmm. You need to perfect your skill. Uh, you need to learn how to play that team sport if you're going to do well. But he also knows that there's a spiritual dynamic. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a a psychological and an emotional dynamic. So he is working on the whole person, but it's all rooted in his biblical view mm-hmm. of human beings. Yeah. And so he's bringing in these principles, which quite frankly, you don't think about humility and thankfulness as being part of a successful basketball program. Ron, I don't know if you knew this, but uh, UVA uh, was in the uh, NBA, NCAA tournament two years ago. 
and they were ranked, I think, the top team in the nation. And they got knocked off by a much lower ranked team, unheard of team that knocked mm. them off. The only team they actually made history. This yeah. really low ranked team that knocked off a number one. And he told a reporter when asked about that, you know, how what'd y'all do with that? He said, Well, it was we learned a lot from that. It was yeah. it helped us to learn. Of course, then they came back a year later and they won the national championship. Yeah. <clears throat> so instead of cursing the darkness or yeah. cursing all the mistakes or placing blame said, guys, we're going to learn from this, and mm-hmm. what can it teach us? And they didn't come back that next season defeated, but they came back strengthened, and they were a powerhouse. I mean, UVA has a great program. They got a great coach at the top and probably be the team to beat this year. I don't know. <clears throat> I don't follow basketball as closely as I should being in Kentucky. Mm-hmm. So I hope – I just made a confession. I hope we don't get hate mail because uh, I know it's almost like a religion here, right? Well, a recipe for disaster, and following what you're saying, is is a recipe for disaster is having more confidence in your abilities than you could and having uh, less confidence in your opponent's abilities than you should. And so when you think you're better than what you are and they're worse than what they really are, that's a recipe for disaster. If you don't come in with humility thinking that they are equals, they wouldn't have been there unless they were equals. So that's one way that yeah. humility can work in your favor. Absolutely. To understand what you count the cost, you know, and you weigh the options. You know, and the scripture talks about love. God is love. Love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It's not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is, it's not self-seeking, not easily angered. When he decided, no, God has cared for us. He's blessed us. Um, it, it's, you know, we, we think that uh, in society, we're worth more if we get paid more. Yeah. You hear about this in professional athletes all the time. I'm now the highest paid quarterback. Why? Because I'm the best quarterback. Yeah. So money equates to self-worth. Mm-hmm. He's saying, I've got, I've got plenty. I would rather have people under me yeah. successful, and that lets me know, you know, that that's my gauge of success yeah. is how many others do I help to be successful as well. That's really, that's awesome. So one thing when you're reading the definition of love, that's out of 1 Corinthians 13, mm-hmm. uh, I didn't hear the word trash talk, mm-hmm. uh, and that's something that often happens on, oh, yeah. the, on the court or on sure. the field. And of course, uh, you know, easily angered. It says it's not easily angered. Not you doesn't know, boast. retaliate. Yeah, it keeps not no rude. record of wrongs. It does not delight in evil, but rejoices so, in truth. Always protects, trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. So realistically, though, we're talking about combat, hand to hand combat in mm-hmm. a way, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody's mm-hmm. being well, sports has always been uh, sports but has always br- been it's a way. Very yeah. competitive. Sure. You got guys with a lot of testosterone going sure. through the system, and of course they they want to win, right? Mm-hmm. You don't go out there to lose. You you go out there to win. But is it possible to maintain humility? Uh, and go out there and compete to your high at your highest level. Well, did he ask any? He didn't say, "I'm going to lay down my masculinity. I'm going to lay down my maleness. I'm going to lay down my competitive spirit." He didn't say any of that. He just simply said, "I'm being cared for financially. I want others to be at the same level." Listen, uh, there are some companies who realized a long time ago: you pay good money, you get in good employees. If you care what everybody does, you all rise together. What what is the ships all rise with the tide? That's right. You know, and so uh, or something like all that. All ships ri- all ships rise when the tide comes. There you in, go. So like that. uh, and so that's what he that's what he wants. He's not he's considering others better than himself. Not that he's not that he's not worth it, but everybody's worth also gaining more independence financially. What and all. he showed, I think, more than anything, is self sacrifice. Yeah. That I care about my my teammates or my, my players. I care about my fellow staff members. I care about the university. And uh, it was a sacrificial move now, that what, he made. A month from now, he asked his coaches, hey, guys, I, I'm sorry, we're going to have to work a little late. Uh, what do you think the response is going to be? 
I think they'll be happy to do it. <laughs> yeah. He looked this out for them. And he had their back yeah, early on during the contract negotiation. Absolutely. Sure. Guys, I'm going to need you to try a little harder. Let's stay a little late and work on this. Yes, coach. Yes, sir. Well, yes, sir. This is an important topic because in a day where top basketball coaches in college are paid big money, you know, multi-million dollar Multi, contracts right. uh, from the university, but then they have these uh, deals from the, you know, Adidas and Nike. Mm-hmm. And Endorsements. All these, and, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, this is big news out of uh, UVA. And I think it's there, there's a good example that Tony Bennett has set here. And uh, just the idea, too, that you can bring biblical principles into a program and rise to the very top. So that's one. But yeah. then also that he, he has actually said, yeah, this is enough money. Let's the Money's tight here. Uh, help out my staff. Help out the other teachers at the university. That's amazing. When the scriptures talk about God coming in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us, it, it, the scriptures say that Christ did not think it beneath him. Um, and so he stepped down, put on flesh and blood. This coach did not think it beneath him to be able to serve sacrificially. Hey, Richard Nelson here. Did you know that there's an election coming up? And according to some projections, the turnout is going to be low, somewhere in the low 30th percent range. This means that only about one out of every three eligible voters will get out to the polls to vote this November the 5th. And this is unfortunate on two accounts. First, our freedom depends on our involvement and our vote. Second, it's a really important election. Races for governor, attorney general, and other constitutional offices are on the Kentucky ballot. And the future of our Commonwealth is at stake. To learn more about the candidates, go to CommonwealthPolicyCenter.org. That's CommonwealthPolicyCenter.org. Inform yourselves about the candidates, then vote your values on Tuesday, November the 5th. Welcome back to the Commonwealth Matters. And on this edition, we are talking about humility in the public arena. The first edition, we talked about humility in the sports world. Now we're going to talk about humility in the political world. Well, um, we can't. Let's it, just skip it, to yeah, we, with this. It's up to, we probably don't have an answer for this one, do we? <laughs> there are a handful of examples, but just a handful. Yeah, yeah. So how can you be a politician or a candidate or an elected leader and have true humility? By the way, I want to Kick it off with this before you answer that. Okay. C.S. Lewis uh, defined humility as not thinking less of yourself, but it's thinking of yourself less. So it's not about putting yourself down right. and beating yourself up, mm-hmm. but it's just about thinking about others more. Yeah. When you think about yourself less, you're really putting others first. You're Absolutely. Thinking about others, mm-hmm. their well being, mm-hmm. considering them in other ways that you might not have if the world revolves around you. But in the political realm, and we're in the middle of a heated political season right now in Kentucky. The governor is up for re-election. The attorney general is on the ballot. Several other constitutional offices are on the ballot as well. And the nature of that field is they have to make a case as to why they are the one for voters to vote for. Why am I going to be the better governor? What's the easiest general? way to do that? What's the easiest way to do that? You know, they they talk about dirty politics. The easiest way to convince people that you're better is to be able to convince per- people that that person is bad. 
That's the they're easy way. They're, I'm, yeah, but I'm it's not saying it's the right way. The right no, way. it's not even remotely the right way. Right. So, with that said, now I know a little something about politics, but <laughs> do I do you? know just a little bit enough to be dangerous. Okay, I'm not an expert, not claiming to be an expert, but uh, one of the things you must do as a candidate is to contrast yourself with the other candidates. Absolutely. So <clears throat> you better acknowledge their strengths. You don't have to publicize that, but you better know where their strengths are. Sure. And their weaknesses. But, sure. And their, and their mm-hmm. weaknesses. Mm-hmm. But it's easier to talk about their weaknesses and to point that out. Sure. And that's sure. where the mudslinging comes in. And that's yeah. where the name calling comes in. And you see the ugly ads. And sometimes it's not coming from the candidate himself, but it might be coming from the campaign mm-hmm. or even a third mm-hmm. party group mm-hmm. that gets involved. Mm-hmm. That's why I so appreciate Richard, and just this isn't a commercial for the Commonwealth Policy. Hey, feel free but, to give it a commercial. <laughs> I, I, but you that. and I have um, we've partnered together. Just just when we first uh, were getting ready for the show, we're, we were thinking. I've, I've been the pastor of my current church for seventeen years. Previous to that, I was a pastor for six years. And Richard and I bumped into each other very early on in my ministry as as a pastor, and you your ministry in the public policy arena in Kentucky, and. Um, through the years, I've seen where you provide outlets for candidates to be able to let their positions be known and heard without slinging mud. So you ask the same question to both candidates and candidate surveys uh, to be able to say, here's a position that's important. How do you feel? How do you feel? How do you feel? I have found this is Ron Hicks's personal assessment that this that has nothing to do with with what a candidate might think, but this is how I read it. A lot of times, you'll see people who go negative in campaigns. And they don't have the opportunity in those in those questionnaires to go negative, so they just simply don't respond. That's right. Um, some don't want the general public without the spend to to yet to know a yes or no answer, so they don't answer it. I think a lot of them don't know how to just just say, "Well, this is what I this is what I feel. This is where I stand," and just let my my credentials stand on their own. Other people, if they can't fling mud, don't want to participate. Right. Of course, the Commonwealth Policy Center goes to great lengths to find out where the candidates stand. Mm-hmm. Even if they don't respond to our surveys, we will do research mm-hmm. and find Voting out. Voting records and public opinion, th- things public, they made public. Public sure. statements mm-hmm. that they've made in the newspaper right. or interviews they've done. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we report this to the public. We have Not in a negative from- way at all, just this is where they stand on these issues. Right. And I, so I appreciate the way you guys do it. And providing opportunities for people to be able to, with humility. I appreciate that commercial. Do you want to give out a website where people can give a donation? Absolutely. At Commonwealth Policy Center. And not only (laughs) people, but hey, listen, my wife and I, as a pastor and her ministering to me, uh, we we have it as a part of our our charitable giving. uh, we do it, and we do. I think the last time I said, "Hear this for the next ten years," yeah. you yeah. know. But uh, and I appreciate that plug and your support. And uh, I know we're kind of joking around a little bit, but uh, with all seriousness, we, though, we, we yeah. do appreciate uh, appreciate your support. I'm going to take you around with me when I go to speak to a group, and we do a fundraising play. I'm going to just. Have oh, you, you remember that do- one time? <laughs> uh, Richard talks about I, my size. I, I I used to be a pretty pretty impressive specimen of a human being. Live liked working out, and one time uh, I was just with him somewhere and. And there were some donors that were already there. And he said, if, you know, Ron, if you wouldn't mind, and, uh, you know, he's going to be taking up the donations. And I was standing under the door wearing my suit and tie. I looked like I was a security guard or some people yes, just put checks in my hand. Yes, he did. <laughs> and so he said, I'm going to carry you around with me. Yeah. But there was uh, people were already contributing. Was, and so <laughs> now I'm trying to figure out how this fits into the humility part. Not a bit. <laughs> not, not a bit. I'm bragging. on. <laughs> no, I, oh, I'm I, I appreciate that. No, 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 this is good. And it, hey, it's good that we can uh, be frank in this discussion. And um, 
Because the truth is, is that there are moments when we're just not humble, Mm -hmm. where we don't, humility is like the last thing in our minds. And for politicians, I want to bring it back to the political Mm -hmm. arena, last thing in the mind for politicians, because they've got to make the case for themselves. They've got to convince the voters that they're the best candidate, and here's why. Mm -hmm. And so there's a fine line that they're, for the candidate that is mindful of being humble, there's a fine line between promoting and telling candidate the voters why they should vote for right. them, telling them what their credentials are, mm-hmm. a fine line between that and then, I guess, over-promoting or boasting, and then between just purely- And belittling throwing, the other, yeah. Belittling yeah. the other candidate yeah. and throwing them under the bus. So, I don't know. I And I've been there. I've run for mm-hmm. office. I've mm-hmm. actually, I've, mm-hmm. I've won a couple times. I've lost once. Mm-hmm. I can tell you mm-hmm. this, it feels much better to, to win win. Oh, than to does. lose. Sure. But it's uh, uh, you learn a lot about yourself when you're on the campaign trail and you're in front of voters. And actually, once you get into office, the temptations that are there to begin to think something of yourself. Mm-hmm. When people start asking you for things, when you begin voting on million-dollar budgets, and mm-hmm. all of a sudden there's a temptation to think more of yourself than you ought. And it's important for us to realize this as we think about politics and for the candidates out there thinking about running or maybe they're running right now to understand something about themselves, which is this. And I think here's something we can agree on. And it's abundantly clear looking at the campaign right now, the various campaigns is that we're all fallen creatures. Yes. And unless we're grounded in a sense of honor and decency and humility, uh, it's very easy to get ugly. It's very well, easy to go negative and yeah. just and then to start boasting and doing all the things opposite of being humble. Well, you remember the other day you and I were communicating via email or text, and and you said, "Hey, you know, remind me uh, uh, to to remain humble." So I sent you the text where where Peter and John were before the Sanhedrin, and it said they could tell that they were ordinary, unlearned. You know, one translation says ignorant men. Um, if we just remember that we serve at the discretion of a holy God. He puts us in positions where he needs us, and he's already calculated our ineptness, our stupidity, our you know, and and that way he will be glorified. We're not; he'll be glorified. I'm glad that you brought that up. And so, when we get that and we understand that, it helps in that and and understand that God still loves us mm-hmm. and that He cares for us and yeah. that He's not telling all of no. our mistakes. Mm-mm. You know, there's a passage that says, "Though a righteous man falls seven times, he will rise again." That's a Nelson paraphrase of one of the Proverbs. But we know that God is forgiving and he's patient and he's kind to us. Mm -hmm. And that, once we understand that we fail in so many ways, that allows us to be gracious and kind and forgiving to other people. Once we understand that a a powerful, mighty, uh, self-sacrificing God has done all this for us, we can do the same to other people. That's where the gospel grips us. That's where these biblical principles really become infused in our hearts, and we can live them out. Well, and it gives people the confidence of entering into the political arena, whether it's uh, national or state or local, to be able to say, hey, in, in all my frailties, God can still use me for his honor and glory. Hi, this is Richard Nelson with the Commonwealth Policy Foundation, and I want to thank you for listening to the Commonwealth Matters. Our goal is to help you better understand the important issues of the day, the issues of life, marriage, and religious liberty. But that isn't all we do. 
The Commonwealth Policy Foundation is working to educate legislators and policymakers about these bedrock values so they can defend them while serving in Frankfurt. We are in regular conversations with state leaders on both sides of the aisle, encouraging them to uphold what Kentuckians like you value. But we need your help. The Commonwealth Policy Foundation is a nonprofit group that only exists by the grace of God and the generosity of its donors. Would you consider a donation today to the Commonwealth Policy Foundation so that our work might continue? Please visit our website at commonwealthpolicyfoundation.org. There you'll find some easy ways you can help us accomplish this important work. Again, go to commonwealthpolicyfoundation.org and consider a gift today. And thanks in advance for any help you can offer. Welcome back to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm here with Ron Hicks talking about humility in the public arena. In the first segment, we talked about humility in sports, second, humility in politics. And now, Ron, we're going to talk about humility in your opinion. Mm. Uh, we live in an opinion, opinionated age, right? You've got talking heads on television with very strong opinions. In fact, you have people with two different opinions that are debating and well, how many different places can you and I share our opinion? Here, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, oh, yeah. you know, any, it's whether very, people listen or not. <laughs> very, very easy to share yeah. your opinion. But how do you do that with humility? Or can mm. you do that with humility? Can you have a strong opinion and yet share it in a humble way? I think so. I, I think the Bible says uh, to be uh, quick to listen and slow to speak. So when you're quick slow, to listen, if I could add, yeah. and slow to become angry. Yes, yes. A man's anger does not bring about the righteousness that God right. desires. So if you hear what another person is saying, most people are in a conversation are listening for an opening. They're not listening, active listening. So they don't listen to the, what the other, you know, and a great exercise. And when somebody states a, an opinion, if you just say what I hear you saying and you state back what the other person has said. So you, they realize you're an active listener. So you're spending more time listening than you do talking, yeah. restate their position. And then now you're able to have an exchange of ideas to where, and my wife and I learned this years ago, and this would, this is a typical conversation because we, we, she's a brilliant woman. Um, and I want to know what she thinks about things. And there's been times before where she'll say, okay, wh what were you saying there? Okay. What I hear you saying is this. And I said, yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. She goes, okay, I understand what you're saying, and I completely disagree. So what you're talking about is seeking to understand the other person. You want to understand. You're yeah, not, understand. When you have yeah. a conversation. To and, see if you agree or disagree. Yeah. And she'll say, I disagree with you. You're, you're listening carefully. Yeah. You're trying to understand what the other person says. Then when it's your turn to talk, you sometimes restate. Uh -huh. it's, Re restate, it's a, yeah. And then when she says, I disagree, I realize that she's actually, it's not emotional sort of thing. She's using logic and reasoning and her life experience, her lens, and she's saying, I don't see it this way. And so I'll say to her, well, what do you think? She states it, I restate, and I said, you're right, we don't agree. And but, guess what? We've, we've, but we've come to a conclusion to that discussion. But it's can, not an open-ended thing. Can you do this in politics? Absolutely. It seems, like, it seems like there's two tribes out there. You've got the conservative tribe, you've got the liberal tribe, or the far-left tribe. And it seems like there's no room for discussion. You Nobody's have been arguments. taught this. You mm -hmm. have these the anger fests or whatever. You turn on the TV and you see two people going at it. And uh, you Did know, you ever take a class in school? Interpersonal communication. Did you now public speaking? I'm sure public speaking. Did yeah, anybody it, teach you how to express one on one your opinions? How to argue? 
went yeah. into seeking a resolution yeah. or what? No, we, we learned that. It. We learned that mostly by what we see around us, our parents, mm-hmm. our and siblings, they weren't taught. <laughs> you you, you know? do it in the workplace, you mm-hmm. know, those... and it's not taught there. It's not taught on television. It's not taught anywhere. Well, let me ask you this though. So we know what uh, bad conversation looks mm-hmm. like that devolves into name calling and throwing people mudslinging and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. But and we know that's wrong. We know it's wrong. I think all of but us. But we do. don't know the right way to do it. Many of us avoid that. But mm-hmm. how about this though? When you see a good example, somebody that does know how to be respectful, mm-hmm. somebody that has decorum, somebody that is truly listening mm-hmm. and they want to have a conversation, is that winsome? Is that effective as far as showing the public when when there's a public debate or a public? I, I think so. I, absolutely. So I have witnessed locally elections won and lost with simple phrases where somebody has been cavalier, uh, one particular, I, I won't mention the race, but one particular thing, a guy said, I've, I've quit my job and I lost my health insurance to run for office. And the other person said, well, that, that, that was, that was silly. You shouldn't have done that. You should have kept your health insurance. And, and I, in that moment you get, you get, the room shifted. And in that moment I said to myself, he just lost that election. So what you saw there was arrogance, arrogance, a judgment, absolutely. condemning yeah. and a guy that of course that quit his job and doesn't have health insurance. He mm-hmm. was all in. And, and that's what he was and, saying. I'm all in. This is what, and the other guy belittled that, completely ignored it, didn't say, I understand your sacrifice. I don't agree with you. Yeah. But he just he just absolutely, you know, patted him on the head, sort of, well, that was a stupid mistake to make, and, and he lost. So this gets to the point that arrogance can cost you an election. Absolutely. You throw your opponent under the bus, mm-hmm. and it will cost you. And humility, and I don't know how this other guy responded, but- he didn't. Okay. And just so, let the and that weight was the, of probably the oh, yeah. humble response or the right response. Yeah, he let the weight of that other person's arrogance, and he, that that person has since run for several offices and has not won any of those elections. How about opinions in your ideology or religion? Let's say let's mm-hmm. combine those together. Your worldview. Can you have a humble opinion in those? Or and let's let's. I want to take a little different tack, Ron. Okay. How about, how do you enter the conversation? You've got strong opinions. I do. How do you know when you can share those opinions? Uh, do you come right out of the gate just saying, hey, you know, are you a believer? Uh, you need to believe in Jesus. Or do you, how do you open that conversation up? How do you <laughs> well, know? I might not be the right guy to ask because I, <laughs> I, I love getting, uh, turning well, a conversation. Wait a minute. Let me call the other okay. guy. You move away from the <laughs> I'm microphone. <sorry>. I'm gonna... <laughs> Hello? <laughs> um, well, I, I love to be able to get a conversation as quickly as possible in the spiritual realm without letting folks know that that's where we're going. One of the things I love to do is if I see somebody wearing a piece of jewelry that has a cross on it, I'll ask them, i say, that's a, beautiful, that's a beautiful necklace. Does that symbolize anything or is it just a piece of jewelry? Yeah. And uh, I, you'd be surprised the number of people just said it's just, it's just a piece of jewelry, you know? So, and, I, I, and, and so I'll say, well, oh, okay. You know, to me, that symbolizes a little something. Yeah. And I just wonder if it symbolizes that to you. Um, servers at a restaurant, hey, I'm, I say a blessing over my food. Is there something I can pray for you about? Immediately yeah. taking things to the spiritual realm. Do it in such a way. like, And the example I, 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 that I always lean to is Christ met the woman at the well at the heat of the day. Yeah. Told her, basically said, go get your husband when he knew she had had five and was living with a guy. Her response was after their conversation, she went to the village and said, I just met a guy that told me everything I've ever done. So you've got to come meet this guy. So he was kind to her. He engaged her in conversation. Absolutely. He cared about her. Met her where she was in the heat of the day, spoke the truth in love, and, and, and didn't just point out what she was doing wrong, gave her an avenue to be able to start doing right. So if we do that, meet people where they are, yeah. show an interest in them, if we're Listen, kind to them, yeah. that will open up conversations, Absolutely. I think, with 
with people. Absolutely. So, Ron, hey, this has been a great conversation as we've talked about humility we in the public already? arena. We are. I have so much more to say. I know. I, know. <laughs> I want to read that book about you and humility. Humility and how I conquered it. Yeah, yeah it's a bestseller. I'll be looking forward to that. All right, brother. God bless you. God bless you, listeners.